Every generation is limited by what it knows. Those of us who are part of the movement, giants like Martin, lieutenants and foot soldiers like me, we are the Moses generation. We marched, we sat in, we went to jail, sometimes in defiance of our elders, but in fact we were building on what they had done. We got us out of Egypt, you could say, but we could only travel so far. You, Barak, are part of the Joshua generation. You and others like you are responsible for the next leg of the journey. Folks like me, we can offer the wisdom of our experience. Perhaps you can learn from some of our mistakes. But ultimately, it will be up to you, with God's help, to build on what we've done and lead our people and this country out of the wilderness. Dr. Otis Moss. Welcome to Homegrown, the podcast where we aim to inform, inspire, and entertain through personal stories of Black expats. We're your hosts, Louisa and the Fantastic Foot. And so it's a sad day, people. It's the finale episode. I love that I've come in with, like, full drama. (laughs) (laughs) But it is a sad day. It's the final episode of season two. um, And we thought we'd bring you a nice little, not even a recap, but some of our thoughts of, you know, the, the season and the past year, really. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's sad. I mean, I personally am looking forward to the break, but <laughs> but um, it is definitely a good point to to review the last ye- season and the last year because um, lots have happened, especially for this podcast specifically when it was started and what the world looked like then versus mm, now. Very true. And we've had some great guests this season and some hilarious moments, really. I feel like the Serena Williams one with the leaky. That was my favorite. (laughs) That was my favorite moment. (laughs) That just casually shopping for basics. (laughs) I cottoned on. <laughs> nah, shout out to Aliki. That was honestly such a, a great episode. And we have some, we've had some great guests. I mean, Herve is another one that stands out. You know, talking a lot about the importance—not even importance, but how business-minded people tend to be in Hong Kong and how he's leveraged that and the connections that he's built. I guess in that way. Yeah, and how much it's a culture here as opposed to say in Paris, where people are like, "Well, you've got a job, so what? Are, what, are, what else? <laughs> what else do you want?" Whereas here, it's like, "No, we've got this opportunity to do X. We should do it." Right. And what's the the French expression? Metro boulot dodo. I think like literally, you take the tube or MTR, go to work, go home and sleep. Like, right. What an existence. <laughs> Simple. <laughs> and then Sharon. Um, I think that was a re that that really resonated with me. Her points around um, the importance of connection and how that influences your your experience as an expat, especially in a place like Hong Kong, yeah. where who you know and all of that. You're away from family, and if you don't make those connections, you know what impact it has on your life, on your experience, and how much harder it is for you to stay and say no to other opportunities, maybe back home if you haven't got like a bedrock of friends and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. And then of course the joys of dating. And <laughs> food <Yeah>. and help. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> I did not help Sharon stay. Yes. Um but yeah, it, it's I guess it's a theme that comes up, like dating being difficult, making close, close friends difficult. Um one guest that I quite like talking to was Guled on the therapy stuff and how those connections, especially for a therapist, it's he found it easier to 
connect with people that already felt like they were similar to him. Mm. So um, that's just, you know, therapizing people. Imagine like having to live and yeah. date and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And truly, even just that whole, the whole thing around um, normalizing therapy for black people, like we all need therapy, man. We, we had <laughs> two black therapists this season, Nick and Gulet. That's yeah, yeah, Nick with his like, Honestly, he's such an overachiever. How do you have like seven careers? Like, who is this man? <laughs> and then train every lunchtime, Jesus Christ. Honestly, what I really, it was really interesting to hear about his experience in the gay community in, in Hong Kong and that sort of almost pecking order he described yeah. of, you know, of, of the, the races. Racial, yeah, yeah. From a, the racial from a hierarchy. But I feel like dating is one we've talked, especially in season one, I know we talked a lot about, about dating and yeah. Basically, the general theme was, at least for women, was dating here is trash. Tough. <laughs> the men, I, I think there's been mixed messages from the men. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, when I used to date in Hong Kong, it was fun, hey. But I guess that's <laughs> not something I should be saying. Um, <laughs> most of our listeners are women. They'd be like, fuck this guy. Shut up. <laughs> but I mean, we did have a good story. We did have a happy story of dating through Tinder, which is Dion. And yes. her beautiful blended family yes. and how that all worked out through Tinder. So it, it does exist. Um, it does happen. So it's not like a complete desert. Very true. I feel like the conversation with Anisha was one that really struck me. Yeah, and some powerful. of the decisions she's made in her dating life from a race perspective. Yeah. And it just really, I don't know, it, it really made me think. It gave you another kind of paradigm to consider that I'd never really I guess being mixed race is a world yeah, that you exactly. live by yourself only mixed race people can get that yeah exactly. and for and us we're yeah <laughs> different communities like yeah. how do you how does that affect who you the choices you make yeah. how and do how does your upbringing affect that and what people you feel are home Yes, you know, yes. for me, it's easy. It's it's Nigerian people. The the black people are the people that feel like home. But if you mm. if I had a mix, I I don't know how I'd um, yeah. how I'd feel. It's really really interesting, and of course, it it then you know brings up a bigger question, which I know is something that Innocent talked a bit about. About I don't want to. I feel like self hatred is such a dramatic word or dramatic. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> but the the PR issue that we have in general, I think Innocent made made a really great point that. In the work that he's done in terms of, I guess, shifting the narrative around blackness, yeah, um, there's one side of it which is convincing everyone else that, hey, look, we're dope. We're doing yeah. all this great stuff. We yeah. are not what you think we are. Yeah. Here, come and learn. Yeah. But he's actually found it harder working with our own community for us to see ourselves yeah. as excellent, see ourselves as worthy, see ourselves as as just what we are yeah um and that that seemed to be uh, he said something along the lines of trying to minimize the story that people have always heard which is of the starving mm -hmm. poor african thing and it seemed like people wanted to hear th those stories but like, where's your suffering <laughs> where's your suffering like where's the where's the we came here to see starving babies there's no there's no starving babies here um and that thing of trying to say okay that's one story that you've heard but it's not necessarily true not our entire existence. um and we doing the work to tell you the the good stuff telling yeah. you the you know the 80 yes. percent um and juanita kind of is yeah. doing the same thing over yeah. in taiwan with her show and it's showing a happy black family mm -hmm. 
living well, living conscientiously, you know, working hard, yeah. um, doing the best that they can, yes. helping their communities, being involved in their communities, a loving black husband and wife, um, great kids. Yeah. Like that's a story that, you know, is rare to see. Yeah. Um, and also is that, you know, that normalizing luxury for black women. Yeah. Like. It's not all suffering. Yes. <laughs> and you're not bougie if you like nice things either. Like, you know, that is, that is part of who we are. And, you know, I, I think, yeah, it's, it was a really, really interesting lineup of guests and some really great themes came up. So for today's show, I'm going to interview you, Fo. Me? Yeah. I want to know, the people want to know. What have you learned over the past, the past season, the past year? What have been your biggest learnings? That's a loaded question. Um, it, it's two, it's two things. Um, the biggest learning for me, and I, I say this to friends um, separately outside of the podcast, is an awareness of outrage or uh, tickling outrage. So I felt like in the last year, I've noticed more than I've ever done before, just how media can take a story and share it to us in a way that triggers our outrage, but doesn't necessarily inform us. Mm. So it's like sensationalizing. Yeah, exactly. We live in a world of spectacle and that's what sells. And they often get wrapped up in that. So the headlines are twisted and the way that the story is told is twisted Mm. to be the most outrageous thing that they could possibly get out of that narrative um, because it attracts us and that's you know we've become addicted to it Um, and in so many of the events that have happened in the last year you know from George Floyd, NSARS, Asian Hate, Sarah Everard, the reporting of it you can see where this isn't necessarily a balanced and informed headline or bit of information this is Let's say in the most out, let's say in the way that's going to get people the most worked up because that will that will keep them here and look reading our pages, mm-hmm. and it distracts us a little bit from mm-hmm. from being able to you know think, be emotionally calm and think about a solution to these problems. Not say that they aren't problems, but if you just say that this has happened because everyone's a bastard, then we can't do anything with that other than be outraged. You know, we're we're helpless. We just feel bad, mm-hmm. but um. In, in some of these things, there have been solutions, there have been ways forward, especially with NSARS. I felt like I was saying this, that we were unified in our outrage to the situation, but we weren't unified in any kind of direction of what to do next. I mean, that came later, and especially when things calmed down. But in that moment, the tweets, the Instagram posts, the stories that were being told, the the things that we were saying to each other, not actually not so much things we were saying to each other, but the, the media around it was one of inflammation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we can't walk when we're inflamed. We can't, we can't think straight when we're that triggered. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, been a thing for me. I, I spot it now all the time. I read a headline is like, wow, you guys are really, <laughs> you guys are really pushing it here. Um, even with us, our first, one of our articles that came out, story was brilliant the the actual writing and the interview of us we said what we felt and uh, and that that was brilliant but then the headline was very different <laughs> to what was in the, the content of the, of the article and that i mean you know and and you could see that in the comments you know the comments after the the article on the article you could see the people that hadn't read the article or listened to the podcast but read the headline and that was yeah, enough for them that. to to, yeah. to be outraged and comment and and um 
And that that for me was like, yeah, there it is again. That thing of you guys are trying to sell. You guys are trying to sell. And, and what sells today is outrage and spectacle. So we need to be able to spot it and unplug from mm-hmm. it a little bit. I guess it's an awareness. So, so for you, you, in terms of what we do with that, I guess is it just being more aware? It is being more aware and I guess being able to clock when we are emotionally triggered and when we're just venting and ranting um but it's good you have to exercise the chimp you have to say you have to like get get it out but that can't be the whole story um the, the real story is how do we move forward how do we fix this yeah. how do we help one another and that isn't a headline we don't see those in the top of the articles how can we create a better world it's not <laughs> who wants to read that right <laughs> okay and yeah and then the second bit um is kind of ties in with that so this year and actually not this year but this last 12 months and actually the beginning of this podcast started around the black lives matter moment and um george floyd's death and now as we're recording this the verdict has just come out so it's kind of like a, a beginning and end and ties up with the end of our season and you know we we started the podcast in a moment of outrage we were all emotionally feeling something stuck at home and seeing this these this video of this man being killed over and over again and hearing how awful it was um and through that we had a conversation and we talked about the state of blackness all over the world and we realized that we have this pr problem right so we realized that you know we we're, we're prejudged often because of this negative story that is circulating around us um and it's always been there um and so the starting of the podcast was to address that say you know let's put the dopest black people that we know on a podcast let's hear their stories let them tell how they came to be here how they are crushing it wherever they are and see that they're people just like you and if you listen to that story you just start to break this myth breaks mm. to pieces mm-hmm. right uh, let's not limit it to bankers or let's everyone let's go for teachers let's go for barbers let's go for bankers let's go for everyone um anyone with an interesting story anyone that's willing to tell us their story um and we've had some fantastic guests that done that um so 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 that is there to address this negative pr to fight that battle um and coincidentally around the same time i read this book I think I've referenced it so many times. I've been reading it for such a long time. It's a big thick book and it's called The Myth of Race. And essentially it talks about how biologically speaking there is no such thing as race. We made it up. It's scientifically speaking thinking that there are individual races like the black race and the white race and the Asian race is akin to thinking that the world is flat. It's a myth. It doesn't act there's so much variation within human beings that it's like saying that the blue-eyed race and the brown-eyed race have particular characteristics. So that's what he says in the book. And he goes in and he talks about where we started believing there was race and how that negative belief infected policies and governments and immigration and foreign policy. And he tells the story and as you're listening to it or reading it, you start seeing how someone made a decision to push a narrative multiple people from multiple places in a in a certain society decided that we need to push the narrative that black people are this or jewish people are this it was black people jewish people you know um asian people as well south american people 
it was we need to let everyone know that these people are not as good as us. So we're going to write articles, we're going to write pamphlets, we're going to write books, we're going to go to universities and talk to them in universities, we're going to get our guys to teach in universities, we're going to have eugenics classes. And someone went in and had, you know, over decades, put money and time and effort into a negative myth about other races to put the white race at the top. Um, and we never, even though now that we know that it's a myth, it's, it's not as, it's not public knowledge. I, I think people still believe that there are races and that's a relic from these guys way back in the past. Um, so in that thing of putting out good, positive, accurate, informative and fun stories about black people to dissuade this negative myth, um, we have to, we have to do the work. We have to take our time. We have to, we have to write the books. We have to write the pamphlets. We have to circulate it. We have to show the world that this is actually what is happening. And we have to do that for ourselves as well, because we were swept up in that negative myth. As Nathan Anderson was saying, we believed those stories because it was so widespread and it was told by the same institutions that train engineers and train mathematicians and train. So it became science, became fact. Um, and if we don't do the work to fix that narrative no one will you know no one will there if innocent isn't in the africa center showing people the great stories about africa and showing about our food and our culture and dissuading against the starving children no one is going to do that because like he said there is money in that negative um, story there is money that can be raised if you show the picture of a starving child um, and way back in the 40s and 30s and the 50s there was money to be made in having the white race above everyone else in the United States. Um, so people like Innocent and people like Juanita are doing that work. And I guess the same way Homegrown is doing that work and pushing that. Yeah. We're fucking dope out here. Like what, <laughs> what I'm, <laughs> um, you have these people that are quietly doing amazing things um, and that serves them and it serves the things that they're doing. But by highlighting it, it serves all of us. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, so that's been that's been my learning over the year is that it's work. We we need to do that work. Um, Innocent kind of inspired me. Juanita kind of inspired me. Um, there are other black podcasts out there, especially expat podcasts, or just pushing black stories and telling the positive stuff. Um, and after George Floyd and everything that happened over the year, it's a thing of not relying on the establishments mm. to fix the story basically not, like not relying on mainstream media basically yeah. creating our own creating yeah. our own table yeah yeah exactly um so that we when we see success it's not because we've been awarded by some american or 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 uk institution it's because we've been awarded by our own institutions um because if we keep having to try and influence them to let us in yeah um we're, 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 yeah, we're, we're, we're essentially acknowledging their dominance over us. Mm. If you're asking to be let in, as opposed to saying, we're, we're just going to do our own thing here because ours is kind of different. And yours is cool too, but we, we, we do things a little bit different. Um, my inspiration for that comes from the Nigerian music industry, which doesn't, no longer raps in American accents. Mm. It's no mm -hmm. longer American beats. Mm -hmm. It's no longer you know, you know, Western influence, like they've realized that 
our stuff is dope and there is enough of us that that is enough yeah, yeah yeah um and we, we we can keep doing this forever without needing anyone to um congratulate us we're congratulating ourselves mm-hmm. um okay so what do you see for the future the future of blackness future of blackness future of the podcast i I think it's Wakanda. It's Wakanda all the way. Like that's that's where we're headed. <laughs> um, I so obviously while being stuck in the UK, I spent some time in Nigeria, and when I left there, I didn't leave there feeling like optimistic about that situation. Like I left there thinking like this could actually get worse. That situation meaning the state of Nigeria. Yeah. Okay. Um, so just the way that it runs and the problems that people are complaining about and. The general feeling that things are getting worse instead of getting better. Okay. Um, that's something for a society is probably, is, is not something that you want. Um, yeah. People need to feel that their future is brighter than the past. Mm-hmm. And there, especially around people my age that I went to school with, mm-hmm. the feeling is that things are getting worse. Yeah. Um, and as there a is, result of COVID? As a result of, no, not of the COVID. state of blackness in the world? As a, like... at the, at, at the, at the, as a result of bad governance Mm, or a difficult situation to manage for any kind of government. Mm. Um, And what I, what I feel it needs, it's a flooding of the process for the people that want it to be better. So right now we sit back and we, I don't know what we're talking about Nigeria. (laughs) We sit back and we, we expect the government to get their act together. Yeah. Um, and that's never going to happen. Yeah. Essentially, the people that want it to be better need to be the government. They need right. to get involved in the process. They need to vote. They need to register. They need to run for office. The people outside can't affect what's going on inside mm. inside that house. Mm. Um, but I, I understand the barriers to doing that. So, yeah. um, But it's also it's almost a, a call to arms, almost saying if you care, do something. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. That's it. Um, um, and we we often get distracted by complaining about it um, because it's easy to complain about something um, to some regard. The, the problems that especially like, for example, Nigeria has are not simple problems. Mm. They're very complicated and they're very multifaceted and multicultural. And it's difficult for anyone to have to address. But Complaining about it is easier than actually getting to the problem and then seeing <laughs> yeah. the problem for what it is and going, oh, how do we how do we this? this? Um, but people need to, I guess, take action they, yeah. towards that. And I think that for, and I think for for black people all over the world, it's the same thing. There is a situation that we do not like. There is a situation that has been oppressing us for a long time, mm. um, and we have always seen that situation as something that we don't have the power to fix. Mm. But it's twenty twenty one, and the world is smaller than it's ever been. And there is power in just our connections. Mm. So if there was ever a time where we have the power to change our situation, change the narrative, yeah. it's now. Yeah. Um, and like Innocent was saying, if we believe that we can do it amongst ourselves, if yeah. we believe that we're not second to, um, and if we believe that our stories are better and that we're capable and we're smart and we're, 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 we're not the things that they said that we were, mm-hmm. then it's a no-brainer for that person. Yeah that capable, confident, proud person to mm-hmm. fix their situation, mm-hmm. change the narratives, run their countries and their societies the way that they want to. Yeah. Um, but we need to believe that. And for us to believe that, we need to be inspired by the Tracys and the 
Juanitas and the Innocents and the Goulets and the Nicks and the Alikis and all of these people that are yeah. doing amazing things in a difficult place, place far from home. Mm-hmm. So in line with the PR push and the work that we're trying to do to get those good stories out there and, and, and change the narrative. What you can do to help us is rate and review. Honestly, it's the best thing you can do to help us. Um, it just pushes our podcast up there and it gives more people the opportunity to see it, to listen to it and spread the, spread the word. So if you have enjoyed listening to us this season, Please rate, please review. Five stars, that's just my suggestion. But it's up to you. <laughs> it's totally your decision, but it must be five stars. And leave us some nice comments. Tell us how much you love Louisa and how Louisa's the best thing that happened to you. I mean, you can say whatever you want about the Fantastic Fur, but... I mean, I, at this point, I don't care. I don't care what you write. Just <laughs> rate and review. We do care. It doesn't mean that we care. Um, and yeah, that, that helps so much, honestly. Nah, facts. <laughs> Thank you, Fo, for being my guest today. I'm here all week, people. I'm here all week. Uh, but yeah, here we are. End of another great season, if we may say so ourselves. I would say it's been great. I think it's been fantastic. I mean... It's been awesome. it's <laughs> so you guys know the drill. We're going to be away for a little while. But, you know, don't miss us. We'll be, we'll be on the socials. If you don't follow us already, what are you doing? Like, come on, guys. It's been... It's coming to a year, I swear. No, it's coming to like nine months. I don't know. It's been a while. You should have our Instagram. You should follow us. You should be all up in there. Um, So we'll be posting on there. We'll keep you posted in terms of future plans. And I mean, in the meanwhile, I'll be hauling my butt back to London. My move is coming up next month. um, So that will be fun. What is the situation in the UK like when you get there? Oh, God. Let's not talk about it. But no, hopefully... Right in time for summer. Yes, exactly. I've timed it perfectly. So I don't get there till literally like 1st of June or something. So hopefully London will be open. The sun will be out. We'll be in the streets. Like, I'm going to be living my best London life. Can you tell I'm trying to convince you? <laughs> I am dying inside. But it's going to be fine because London is dope. I'm looking forward to seeing all you guys out there. Awesome. Okay, so again, thank you guys for listening to this episode and for all the episodes this season. We really appreciate the support. And we'll be back with you after the break with more guests, more locations, more stories, more insights, and more fun. Till then, bye-bye. Bye.